Well, hello, and welcome to another episode of A Photographic Life. Happy New Year, and welcome to the first episode of 2019. Uh, a special extended episode uh, this week, um, in which I'm going to, I suppose, kind of look back on uh, the year of 2018, I suppose a review of 2018, and also um, a little look forward as to what 2019 uh, might hold. I don't have a uh, glass ball or uh, tea leaves in the bottom of a cup here in the shed that's going to confirm what's coming up in 2019, but maybe we can have a little guess at it and also pick out a few highlights and I'm specifically looking forward to. Um, the name of this podcast is A Photographic Life and my photographic life over the last year uh, has been pretty busy writing a book, uh, finishing my first ever documentary film, continuing to teach, uh, continuing to write, and obviously uh, each week um, getting to create this podcast. So it's been busy. I think from my perspective, um, what's great about where we are now is that we have so many tools that allow us to tell stories, to connect, to um disseminate our work and that's certainly something which I've um, been embracing very fully throughout um, 2018. Um, some great collaborations um, with people particularly um, making the Bill J film that was great also in exhibitions I uh, curated two exhibitions of work one at the Brighton BNR and one up at the Oriel Colwyn Gallery in North Wales. So that's all been great. But what about uh, photography in general, not just about me? Well, it's uh, 2018 was certainly a year in which female photography and female photographers took up the baton and spoke out strongly. A number of really great initiatives uh, were started. Um, in, I suppose really kind of um, attempting to rebalance um, the perception or the reality of photography as being a very male-based um, medium and also just bringing forward um, a lot of photographers who perhaps have, have been forgotten, whose work has been forgotten over the years and um, that's been really great to see and I'm sure that that's going to continue uh, into 2019. Similarly, there's been a, a, bit, a lot of talk around photographers of colour um, coming forward, speaking out uh, about being commissioned or not being commissioned, about um, work being seen. Uh, big magazines like uh, Vogue, for example, have uh, not only featured... Um, models of colour and, and photographers of colour, but they've also been commissioning a lot more, and that's certainly been happening in the British uh, version of the magazine. So not only in the areas of that perhaps we would expect in photojournalism or, or reportage in those kind of more strident political areas, but in the hardcore fashion areas, the uh, political stance of women and also of uh, people of colour, has been really strong, and that's um, that's been great to see. That idea of social uh, injustice has also been very clear. There is no doubt that um, austerity is starting to affect many people in a way in which they've never seen it before. And I know from my own personal perspective, um, m many people I know and, and 
people who I count as friends have had a tough time. Um, it's really important to reach out to them with support, perhaps sometimes of money or food, but absolutely um, support of um, involving mental well-being and putting an arm around the shoulder and, and offering to help. Often when people find themselves in a position where they feel they can't actually ask for that help. Photographically, there's been a return to humanistic photography. I suppose it's kind of as a direct response, a feeling of need to tell those stories. We've also seen a big um, return of landscape uh, photography, which has certainly for many years been perceived by some as being the preserve of the, the amateur photographer, the, the chocolate box landscape image. Of course, uh, landscape photography through the topographic, um, uh, what, how would you say that, from a topographic perspective, I suppose, um, has been continuing, but there's no doubt that it's now coming to the fore, kind of in a way in which street photography did a few years ago. So, that's kind of interesting to see. There's some really great collectives working around landscape photography. And certainly as a from a lecturing perspective, I'm seeing a lot more young photographers now looking towards that kind of landscape work rather than towards straight fashion work, which perhaps a few years ago would have been a dominant factor. Strangely enough, talking about that and, and just going back to where we were there about female photographers, women photographers, um, so many students now um, on photographic courses are female. Um, the demographic is very much leading towards women uh, and much less men. So perhaps as time goes forward and over the coming years, that demographic will start to show itself in uh, the work that we see. I think it's certainly the case that many f female photographers are now getting a chance where perhaps they weren't previously. Anyway, so that's where we were, I think, for 2018. Issues were definitely a, a lead in a lot of project work, a lot of exhibition work, and a lot of photo book work. Talking of photo books, it's that time of the year when people do look back at the previous year and put together their lists. So I thought, well, I'll do it as well. All of the books I'm about to talk about, I've purchased myself. I've not been sent any of them for free. There is no payola involved in this selection. And it's very subjective, as, um, as you'll see. Um, some of them you may be well aware of already and some of them may not. If not, grab a pen and pencil now so that you can take some notes if any of them kind of uh, pique your interest. I'm going to start off with um, a book by Todd Papageorge, uh, Dr. Blankman's New York. In the 1960s, Todd was told by his photographic peers that if he wanted to make money with photography, he needed to move to colour slide film and build a commercial portfolio. Uh, he took the comments seriously and set about photographing New York shop windows in Kodachrome. These images, uh, when mixed together with candid portraits, are reproduced in the book Dr. Blankman's New York. It really is um, a, a fantastic collection of work, um, which definitely benefits from repeated viewing. So uh, check out that uh, Todd Papageorge, 
Dr. Blankman's New York. Um, I was talking briefly there about um, humanist photography and a, a few of the photographers who I'm about to talk about, their work I think could very easily be included within that that genre or that um, that mindset of work. The first one is The Last Ships by Chris Killip. Um, over the past year, Chris has um, revisited his archive um, to produce a series of newspapers, including The Last Ships, of the images taken between 1975 and 1977, showing the last breaths of uh, industry in the northeast of England. Um, this is like a newspaper thing. This, uh, not all of these books are big, heavyweight, coffee table, expensive things. I think it was about £10 or something like that. I bought it at the Martin Parr Foundation, who actually have a large amount of Chris's archive there. Uh, next book... Um, in fact, two books, uh, Ellswick Kids and Youth Unemployment by Tish Mercer. You may have heard Tish on a previous podcast. If you haven't, go back and listen to it. Well, not Tish, actually. Ella, her daughter, talking about Tish because Tish sadly passed um, much too early. And Ella took on the baton of, of that archive of that work and has been curating it and producing exhibitions and these two books um if you're not aware of uh, tish murtha's work murtha is m-u-r-t-h-a then um check her out following on from the tish murtha books um somebody who's no stranger to the photographic life podcast uh jim mortram and his book his book uh, small town inertia um i've spoken a lot about this work and i think it just leads me to say if you're still not aware of Jim's work, then um, Google uh, Small Town Inertia and you'll find what he does. Um, also, Jim was on our Christmas podcast. Elswick Kids, Youth Unemployment and Small Town Inertia, all by the same independent publisher, Blue Coat Press, a one-man band out of Liverpool in the UK, um, producing some really great books. And actually, they've got some great books um, planned for 2019 so as a publisher there's somebody certainly to look out for following that whole kind of humanist thing um i don't know how many of you will have seen saul lighters in no great hurry a fantastic documentary um which i'm not sure if it's still available or not i've had it a, a number of years now and during that documentary saul is um tidying up really um, i suppose you could say his life as well as his apartment and trying to go through everything and in doing so he finds a number of photographs and prints that he'd completely forgotten about particularly of his partner lover um, sloan and um, in my room uh, contains a number of photographs of sloan as does women they're almost um they're complementary titles, really, but certainly In My Room is my favourite of the two. Saul Leiter, um, you probably know his work from his colour work, but these are in black and white. And they are slightly voyeuristic, um, but don't let that put you off. Following on from a New York theme, uh, my next book I'd like to recommend is New Vogue Beauty Salon by Steve Banks, published by a small, another small independent publisher, uh, Deadbeat Club. 
It's a slim volume with um, black and white photographs documenting beauty parlours in 1967 in New York as part of a masterclass that um, Steve took with Richard Avedon and the great art director Marvin Israel. Now, what's kind of interesting about that to me is that um, that idea of the masterclass kind of came from the masterclasses that uh, Bro- um, Alexei Brodovich the great uh, Harper's Bazaar art director and also a great photographer. And both Avedon and Marvin Israel attended Brodovich's masterclasses, as did Diane Arbus, Eve Arnold, um, Hero, and a whole load of other great photographers. So anyway, there you go. Um, Some more things to check out. Marvin Israel, if you're not aware of his work, particularly his early photographs of Elvis Presley, when he was the art director of Seventeen magazine, and uh, obviously um, Alexei Brodovich. Finishing up on um, that kind of, I suppose, riff of humanist photography is perhaps the most um, gentle and uh, reflective and slow burns of a work is um, Empty Days by Paddy Summerfield. In fact, all of Paddy Summerfield's work to me, or certainly his latter work, has this kind of quality about it. Um, initially, you look at it and, and it doesn't really touch you, but then slowly, slowly, it kind of seeps into you. That's published by Dowie Lewis, another independent photographer. And I have um, the great fortune of spending some time with Paddy um, about a year or so ago at his home in Oxford, drinking tea. And um, yeah, just a really wonderful photographer and a wonderful guy. Uh, the last book is kind of sl- a slight uh, oddity, really, in that it jumps back to that idea that I was speaking about earlier with themes and the importance of themes. It's Invisible Brit- uh, Britain Portraits of Hope and Resilience, which is edited by Paul Singh. Uh, Paul's a filmmaker, really, um, but with a very strong uh, political conscience, and it takes us back to this whole theme of austerity that's occurring in the UK at the moment. And um, what happened was Paul asked a whole load of different photographers um, to find somebody local to them, uh, to photograph them and to interview them. And the book is almost a kind of an anti-design designed book. I'm very clever in that way, in that it brings forward the stories that the people have to tell, as well as the images. It's also a pretty good roundup of some of the, uh, I suppose you would say, sort of kind of up and coming um, photographers in the UK that you may not have heard of, but whom are doing some very interesting work. So um, that's it for um, 2018 photo books. As far as exhibitions are concerned, um, there's two things I'd like to kind of reflect upon, I think, from 2018. The first is that the most interesting exhibition I've seen, um, and I know it was hugely popular, was the Tish Murtha, who I just mentioned as a photo book, um, her work at um, the Photographer's Gallery in London. I think what in particular I'd like to kind of put forward as a, maybe a future discussion point, I don't know, is that Everybody who's spoken to me about having seen that exhibition, there's a lot of people actually, it's the one exhibition that everybody who's involved with photography seems to have felt they needed to see. Anyway, one of the um, 
exhibit was the actual camera um, which uh, Tish had used to create the work and alongside some letters from David Hearn, the Magnum photographer, who was also one of Tish Murtha's um, lecturers. And she was on the Newport course um, down in South Wales. And uh, David Hearn was uh, sort of backing her up on her for her HP agreement to actually get the money to buy this camera. And I just think that's really interesting, actually, that that ephemera and the, the context that was provided by those elements were the real kind of standouts for a lot of people. Suddenly, it became very real. Suddenly, you, you felt as if you had a personal connection with the, uh, the photographer and also with the work. Speaking of that personal connection, the other thing which I, I just wanted to pick up on, which isn't specifically an exhibition, it's a space, which is the Martin Parr Foundation down in Bristol. Uh, Martin opened this at the um, beginning of the year with a Niall McDermott um, exhibition of work. And since then, there have been uh, a number of other exhibitions that have followed on. David Hearn Swaps was there. There's been a Paul Trevor um, I think that's it, but I must apologise to anybody if I've forgotten something, because I probably have. Anyway, the most important thing to me has been the series of talks that Martin has put on. We premiered the uh, Bill J film there back in May. At the beginning of a week, uh, weekend, it was the Friday night showing of the film and then all day Saturday. Talks by people such as uh, Peter Mitchell and John Myers, uh, by Hearn, um, by Circa, by a whole load of different people. And um, that was a really great event. It was, you could go along, there were talks one after another, there was a lunch included in your ticket. And since then, uh, Martin has continued a whole series of uh, evening talks. People like Robert Darch, um, Dan Wood, who's been on another previous um, podcast, um, Bruce Gilden, um, certainly was talking Sean, Sean Davey. Um, this is off the top of my head, but whatever. I think what's great about this is that it's a, a, a place to meet. Certainly many of my students are now going to these talks in, in the evenings, meeting the photographers and engaging in that conversation. And it's great for a couple of reasons. One, I think it's great that it's happening. And two, that it's happening outside of London. And... I really think if there is one key factor um, that's really coming together in 2018, and I'm really hoping it's going to continue into 2019, is more and more initiatives outside of London and the South East. Uh, there's great stuff ha happening in South Wales, in Scotland, in the North East, at Side Gallery, in Yorkshire. I've spoken about these things before, but... Why not, with the death of the high street, and this is just an idea I'm chucking out there, why not take over one of those empty shops? Why not create your own space? I mean, this is something I would personally love to have the time to do, but why not get together in an area, get a shop space, put on some films, some photo-related films or films or some talks, some pop-up exhibitions, uh, or just a meet-up for coffee and cake or a, a glass of wine, whatever it may be. But that idea of community uh, coming together within a physical space seems to me a really strong uh, concept and a strong idea to put together 
uh, for 2019. So what of 2019? Well, as I said at the beginning of this podcast, none of us can be sure. We're certainly living in a world of great uh, insecurity, I suppose, politically, economically and socially. From a UK perspective, we have Brexit coming up. From an American perspective, you have Trump. I'll leave it at that. But what this does do is it provides us with stories to tell. The civil unrest in Paris and France over the last month or so has seen uh, images come out of that reminiscent of the images that came out of Paris in 1968. Obviously, we have upheaval across um, the Middle East, across Syria, Afghanistan, Iraq, Iran. Photographers are out there telling stories, as are filmmakers out there telling stories. And maybe that's where we are for 2019. Maybe that is one thing that I can hope for, which is that the quality of the storytelling, the quality of the work is relevant and appropriate to the weight of the stories that are there to be told from a historical perspective. I feel as if we're in a time where we need to document what is going on on a local scale, a national scale and an international scale to ensure that future generations know and can actually look at this work and get a sense of the uh, a sense of the times i suppose what we're also going to see more of in 2019 is the raise, uh, rise i should say of ai of artificial in- artificial intelligence um concerning photography the rise of computational photography and uh, a subject i hear very few photographers talking about but which is intrinsic to the development of the medium if you are interested in that i did write an article which is on the united nations of photography.com website you might like to uh check that out but of course what that also brings into play is the truth the truth within um photography and ensuring that the stories we tell are not only true when we tell them but are true in the way in which they're disseminated the way in which they're shared um, I think that is probably where we we are with photography as a, a broader medium going forward. Specifically for me, I'm looking forward to the Jim Mortram exhibition at the Side Gallery. I'm looking forward to Document Scotland, who are going to be showing at the Martin Parr Foundation, two places and people I've already spoken about earlier in this podcast. There's going to be a big exhibition at the Tate Uh, I think it's the Tate Britain, uh, 60 Years of um, Women in Art, that proves to be, that could be interesting. There's a big Don McCullen exhibition coming up at the Tate. Would be interesting to see how much essence they get of Don into that exhibition, referencing back to that Tish Merthyr and the camera. Um, So that could be exciting. Maybe we're the the big exhibition, the blockbuster exhibition. Maybe those days are over. Maybe actually, what we should be looking forward to are lots of small exhibitions and uh, independent initiatives coming together. 
I certainly feel that 2019 is a year to kind of grasp and uh, to grasp the tools that we are, we are given to ensure that we create work that makes sense to us and that we're proud of. It may be that you are coming to the United Nations of Photography just through this podcast. Um, if that's the case, um, a couple of comments. I think one of the sadnesses over the last year or so is I, I do these podcasts for free. Um, I give up my time to do it and everything involved in it. Everything I do with United Nations of Photography dot uh, com um, is for free. And a few people have kind of commented about it cannot be a United Nations because it's just one person. And it is just one person intrinsically. It's me. And um, that's kind of missing the point, really. The idea of the United Nations photography is very simple. It, it came out of a number of initiatives I've worked on over the last 10 years. The United is really to do with coming together, not only geographically, but creatively from different areas of photography, um, through design, through writing, for all areas of creativity and through filmmaking, most importantly, as all of our cameras uh, allow us to do both things. Why wouldn't you press that button for uh, an, uh, an opportunity for extended creativity? Anyway, um, so the United Nations of Photography is from that perspective. Um, it's got nothing to do with the United Nations itself, that august global institution, and never does it pretend to be, and never should it be. Uh, we're completely and utterly independent. And yeah, I do choose what goes on. Uh, the podcast, who comes on the podcast, because it's a photographic life and it's my photographic life. What I'd like to say in kind of uh, balance to that is thank you to so many people over the last year who've been so incredibly positive about this podcast. Um, I started out not knowing where it's going and, and I still don't really know where it's going. And I quite like that. So if you have any ideas, then, you know, let me know. You can follow us on Twitter at UN of Photo. And you can contact us through the website. You can contact me directly uh, at www.unitednationsofphotography.com. Um, if you've enjoyed the podcast, as I always say, then if you're listening on iTunes or any other platform that allows you to leave a review or a comment, then please do that. It would be really great, especially if it's a positive one, because that helps us going forward. Uh, that's pretty much it for this um end of year review and kind of slight look forward next week we will return to our usual format there's going to be lots of photographers joining us each week some really great photographers um, talking about what photography means to them as well as i'll be dipping into my um, archive of conversations with photographers to bring you some edited highlights so that's it as I said at the beginning of this podcast, Happy New Year. And I really mean that. I really hope it's a happy, healthy and successful year um, for all of you. But as always, take care. <laughs>